Hello there, and I'm glad you can join us. I don't know about you, but when I set out to do something, I like to have everything planned out. But truthfully, there are times when what lies ahead of us can seem uncertain. God may show our next step, but we don't always know where that step will lead us, requiring us to have faith in our Lord. Well, Pastor Christian teaches us how we can sometimes have a day on that step of faith and what we are missing when we do. Faith always takes a step beyond reason. It's never logical. Now, how often has God put an opportunity before you and you excused yourself right out of it? Because you wanted the roadmap. You wanted every question answered, every I dotted, every T crossed before you took the step. Now, let's look back at Moses' checklist that he gave to the spies. Because remember, their idea... Let's just map it out. So the checklist that Moses gives them should reflect that in some way. But let's see what those questions are. In verse 18, what is the land like? Well, God had already told them what the land was. It was a land of milk and honey. Are the people strong or weak? Few or many? Is the land good or bad? Are the towns unwalled or fortified? Is the soil fertile or poor? Those don't sound like map-making skills to me. So do you think it made a difference to God if the people were strong or weak? Of course not. Was God worried about whether there were many people or few people or if the crops were good or bad? Of course not. Was God concerned about whether the people lived in tents or walled cities? Of course not. God already knew all the answers to these questions. He even shared it with the Israelites in talking about the promised land. They just didn't want to believe him. Their simple request to send in these spies was just a symptom of a bigger problem for them. They spent 40 days wandering in a land completely unbelieving. They traveled a total of 500 miles. 250 up to the north and 250 back. Now let's take a look at what they return with. In verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron in the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. And here is its fruit. That fruit was a single cluster of grapes that was so large, it took two men to carry it on a pole between them on their shoulders. It's an amazing report proving the truth of God's word, of what God had already told them. But they still didn't believe it. Still wasn't enough. Their lack of faith was starting to transform their entire perspective now. Look how they referred to the land now in verse 27. The land we went into, the land to which you sent us. I thought it was the promised land, the land that God had given us. Now we're starting to see that unbelief creep in even more. Now their perspective is that land you sent us into. They have shifted their focus to the wrong things. And it's about to have a dramatic effect on their life. 
we have to remember that perspective is a way of looking at a situation, taking in all the facts, and judging how important they are. Let's say this chair. Let's say I ask you to sit in that chair, and you tell me, no, I don't think that chair is going to hold me. And I say, well, why not? Well, you're going to say, well, you're going to start looking at that chair and finding all the things that are going to be wrong with that chair because you're starting with this belief that the chair's not going to hold you. You're going to look for loose screws. You're going to look for worn fabric. You're going to make sure, oh, you'll see it's a little bit wobbly. Till ultimately, your perspective has now become, see, now the chair won't hold me. I can't sit in it. Your lack of faith in the chair has now, you've proven to yourself and changed your entire perspective. Now the chair can't hold me. And that's exactly what the Israelites, Israelites start to do. In verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Anak are uh, the giants that Goliath was a descendant of. So they're very large. And then they go through and they mention all the warriors that are living in the land. They're just trying to prove their point. We can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. But then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land. We can certainly do it. What Caleb is trying to do here is keep things in proper perspective. When he says, We can do it, he's believing God's word to be true. God told them, Go up and take possession of the land I have given you. Wait a minute. Did you guys just recognize I have given you? They haven't stepped foot in it yet, have they? Shouldn't it be the land I am giving you? Maybe. But that just tells us that God's already gone ahead. He's already prepared for them. He has already gone ahead and had the victory for them. But their perspective is so skewed now they can't see it. They can't see God in the whole situation. So here we have Caleb and Joshua saying, Guys, wake up, wake up. Do you remember who sent the plagues that set us free from Egypt? Do you remember who parted the Red Sea for us? Do you remember who delivered us manna and water in the middle of nowhere? Do you remember who produced the greatest quail harvest ever for us? Two spies see it, ten spies don't. And ten spies say this in verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Their unbelief has now taken on a whole new life of its own. The people in the land aren't only bigger, now they're stronger. In fact, they're so big, we look like grasshoppers. And it was such a terrible place, it devours the people that live in it. Now, we read this and we laugh. But we have to be honest, we do this too. When we let our spiritual armor down, we let one negative thought in. One, what if? One, but what about? Which leads to another negative thought. And another what if. 
and another what about, and another, and another, and another. And before you know it, we have played out so many different scenarios in our heads, inflating our little molehills into giant mountains, and strayed so far from the reality of what our circumstance really is, we don't even recognize the truth anymore. Just like the Israelites, we begin to look at our circumstances with our own perspective, our own eyes, instead of looking at God's strength and his power, his sovereignty. See, the Israelites thought their biggest problem were the giants in the land, but their biggest problem was really themselves. They had just carried back proof of God's true word on their shoulders, but they still carried the unbelief in their hearts, and that's what was tripping them up. They were so focused on themselves and what they could or couldn't do, God was completely out of the picture. Because unbelief is always going to exaggerate and your fears will always magnify your problems because faith will always stand on the truth. See, unbelief says that you're weak. Unbelief says, no, you're right, you can't do it. But belief says, you're a child of God. Belief says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Belief says that you already have the victory because with God all things are possible. The promised land had already been given to the Israelites before they ever stepped a foot on it. But because they chose to look at it through their own perspective, they couldn't see it at all. They focused on their weakness rather than God's strength, and they changed history. (laughs) They spent 40 years wandering in the desert, one year for every day that they had sent the spies in. There were only two men out of that entire generation that were able to enter the promised land, Caleb and Joshua, the only two that stood firm on God's word. And you know, Caleb, um, when he was going into the promised land, 40 years later, God never forgot that moment that he stood in truth in God's word. When Caleb was 85 years old, he's about to enter the promised land after the 40 years wandering. And they asked Caleb, Caleb, what land do you want? And he says, give me the mountain. That's where the giants live. And I can't do it, but God can. Wow, that's faith. That's perspective. So how do we keep perspective when we're facing the giants in our life? When we're facing problems that overwhelm us? The first thing we need to do is look at our circumstances and our trials as invitations. Because they're invitations to grow. They're invitations to prove that our faith in him is genuine. And they're invitations to glorify God. But every invitation requires an RSVP. And if you don't RSVP, you'll miss out on what God has in store for you. The first part of our RSVP is remember. Remember who God is. Remember that he's the sovereign one. He's in control. Remember who you are in God's eyes. See, Caleb tried to remind the Israelites of who God was and how he always provided but they couldn't see it. What is your experience with God? Because if you've been walking with him, even for a matter of a few days, you've seen him work in your life. 
And then when you remember who you are and who he is, then you can begin to surrender. And when we say surrender, we're not talking about giving up. We're not saying give up and walk away. This surrender means give over. You're handing off to God your need to be right. You're handing off your desire to be in control. You're handing off your need to have all your questions answered. And your need to understand. Because sometimes we just don't understand. And God says, that's okay, I do. See, Caleb knew they weren't strong enough to fight those armies. But he also knew it wasn't their battle, it was God's. See, surrender is actually an act of our faith. It's saying to God, I believe you. I trust you. And may your will be my will. It's a shift from focusing on ourselves and our own circumstances to looking at God's grander picture. And then once you remember, once you surrender, then you can have victory. And I'm not talking about a name it and claim it kind of philosophy where all your troubles will just kind of magically melt away because that doesn't happen. This victory is, is a freedom from doubt. This victory is about freedom from the unbelief that holds you back from trusting and surrendering fully in the one who, say, who sent his son to save you. The one who loves you unconditionally. This victory, it's found in the heart of the believer. It's found in the mind of the believer who trusts God. It's in the believer who's surrendering to God and his will, no matter what your circumstances look like. See, Jesus already won the battle, and we keep forgetting that. And we'll see the victory if only we maintain God's perspective to see it. We just keep shifting out of it and saying, no, I I can't do it, I can't do it. But if we shift back in and stand on our faith and say, yes, God, this is you, there's the victory. It's not a victory of changing our circumstances at all. This victory is in the transformation of our attitude towards our circumstances. Because if you change the way you look at things, you change the way things look. Because when the Israelites' unbelief took over, they saw themselves as the grasshoppers before the giants. But if they had just trusted God's word and had faith in what he had said, what he had told them, if, he had, if they had only remembered who was actually in control and recognized their need to surrender to him, then it would have changed the way things looked. The giants would have become the grasshoppers, and they would have been on God's side as the giants. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to simplify this, trying to make it look all easy and... You could be thinking, Kristen, you have no idea what I'm going through. You have absolutely no idea what I'm going through. Mm, You might be right. But this is one of the ways that I keep my perspective straight. When I was going through chemo and radiation almost 11 years ago now for brain cancer, I had to wear this. This was a radiation mask. So every morning, every day for six straight weeks, 
this had been like hot plastic shaped to my face and this kept my head bolted to the table so I couldn't move but for me this is a sign of remembering who God is this is a way that I remember my surrender to God this to me is a sign of victory for you guys it may be scary and creepy and for me it's different it's perspective but the victory is not that I even stand here before you cancer free the actual victory <clears throat> sorry it's kind of a hard topic <laughs> see being cancer free is just a, a human view of the victory but God's view of the victory is much grander than that because see God led me to a place that was dark but he didn't just lead me to it he led me through it and I had to soul search while I was in the in that place I had to choose my strength or his my will or his will see he brought me to a place of surrender it wasn't a victory of the physical world this was a victory of souls there were days that full of just tears of unanswered questions weeks of just I don't understand I don't understand and I had run every what-if scenario possible through my head. I had wrestled with not understanding, not knowing what lay ahead. But at the end of the day, I had to make some choices. Did I trust God, or was I calling him a liar? Was I going to run towards him in the shelter of his grace? Or was I going to try to do it my way? Was I going to take his word as truth, knowing that he wants the ultimate good for all of his children? Or was I going to challenge his character? See, he took me beyond my need of just recognizing that I needed a savior. He took me way beyond just recognizing the blessings in my life. He showed me that I had to be utterly dependent upon him, not just for the big stuff, not just for the small stuff, but that the very breath of my lungs and my very heartbeat depended upon him. And that is where the surrender is. That is where our victory is. It's in that moment of realizing he is, it, he is all. And he is where it's at. Nothing else matters. It is him. That is the victory. See, the Israelites, even after seeing God's provision in the wilderness for two years, they still let unbelief skew their perspective. And they couldn't recognize their dependence upon him. It wasn't until they were in the desert for 40 years wandering where they were able to turn back and realize their full dependence upon him. Now, after remembering who he is, after remembering who you are, after surrendering and claiming that victory, how can you not praise him? How can you not praise him? Is there anything that's more exciting? Is there anything more thrilling, more strengthening, more praiseworthy than the truth that our Almighty God is our shelter, our refuge, every day, 
in every circumstance that we face. There's nothing more. There's nothing better than that. But if we're going to see it, we have to keep God's perspective in our view. And we need to see that his will is what matters. And we need to know that his will is not punishment. His will for us is actually nourishment. His will for us is to help us grow more like Jesus. It's not comfortable. It's hard. And sometimes it hurts. But it's in these circumstances that you truly discover where your faith lies. In yourself or in the one who created you and who's writing your story. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 1, uh, starting in verse 6. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through, uh, though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It's all about God's love for us. His will is just an expression of his love for us, no matter what circumstance you're in. He's just trying to get you to focus on him. I'd like to tell you that it's a one-time deal. You surrender once, you're good. You're good for life. But no, that's not the case. Because we all know that we are faced with opportunities every single day that are disguised as unsolvable problems. And with every opportunity that comes before you, there will be trouble. There will be adversity trying to hold you back. You could even say with new levels come new devils. It's, 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 it's that for sure. But you have to take the first step. Because if you don't take the first step, you'll never experience the victory. See, when we begin to look at every circumstance through God's perspective, our faith grows stronger. Our steps actually become easier the more we do it. And our perspective is then transformed to seeing everything through God's much grander view. What are the giants in your life right now? What excuses are you using to avoid him? What are you running away from? Or maybe you're running towards something. God's trying to tell you no because he wants to protect you, but you, you want to do it your way. So you're running. Do you remember who you belong to? Do you remember who you are in God's eyes? Not the person you see in the mirror every morning, but the one that God sees. Do you remember the times when God fulfilled his promises for you and gave you the evidence, the truth of his word? Because if you don't remember who God is and if you don't remember who you are in his family, then you'll never be able to surrender. You need to remember it's his battle to fight, not yours. And then when you recognize your complete, utter dependence upon him, Surrender becomes easier. Are you standing on the truth of God's word or are you allowing the unbelief to creep in? 
Are you letting your fears magnify your problems, or are you telling your problems how big your God is? What about here at, SC, at SCC, Sawgrass? What are the giants facing us right here, right now, as we look to replant? Has God called you to Sawgrass for a purpose at such a time as right now? Has God commanded you to play a part in the rebuilding of Sawgrass? Are you ready to trust and obey him at all costs, even when the odds aren't in our favor by human standards, even when it seems illogical, impossible? Last week, Pastor Terry used the uh, verse from Isaiah forty-three nineteen: For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? Are we going to miss it because we don't see it? Are we going to look through God's perspective, through our window of faith, and say, Ah, yes, God's at work. He's going to do a great work. I can see it. Or are we going to miss it because we're trying to look at it through our own abilities, our own strengths? There's no telling what God might do because we know through the story of the Israelites that he delights in doing wonders for his children when they remember and surrender, when they trust and obey and they choose to walk by faith and not by their own sight. That's when God is glorified and the world will take notice. So let's commit together when the giants in our lives rise up Let's not shrink in the shadows. When the opportunities before us seem overwhelming, don't run away. Remember to RSVP. Maintain your God perspective. And stay on the course that God has for you. Stay on the path that he's laid out for you. He's writing your story. You just have to be a part of it. And just recognize his will. Just recognize his role in it. Father, I thank you. your word this morning Father I just ask that that we can just keep our eyes on you I don't know the circumstances that people are going through here this this afternoon Father but I just ask that you open their eyes that they see your hand in their lives that they see you at work and that they can focus squarely on you, Father, grounded in their faith, knowing that you love them. In Jesus' name. Amen.